Welcome to episode 364 of the Doctor a Day, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Ginger. Hello. Today we're going to start talking about episode one of The Pirate Planet. Yes, we see a, um, a very technological set with panels and computers and a um, booming voice. Calling for Mr. Fibuli, Mr. Fibuli, and then the computer calls out for him, and then this um, very massive little man with glasses comes and he's got a little clipboard and he cowers up to a um, man that he calls the captain, um, who we only see, only hear, and then see like this red um, garbed arm. And he yells at him for being 30 seconds late with his mineralogical report. But he um, cowers a bit and explains that while we were just, you know, finishing up a couple details and hands him the report and says, well, this, not happy with the result because we need this other mineral. He says, well, that so took so long. We were finding a new source and here it is. Gives him the star chart. He says, well, we'll mine it immediately. But this is a sector it's in and hands him another chart and tries to tell him, but something. He says, we'll mine it immediately. And then he just dismisses Mr. Vigili, calls out to his people, and there's a bulletin that goes out to the general populace to, to watch for the omens. He's announcing a new golden age of prosperity and there's a group of people listening, and one is very troubled by this news and, and kind of separates himself from the group. There's um, this group is being watched on a video screen, and they zero in on this other person. There's a group of people that are dressed like all in yellow robes and. They're all together in a cavern-type area, and they say, well, we have found another, um, and they must prepare to fight these evil times. Doctor um, shows K-9 the first segment to the key to time. Job well done, but K-9 is not so impressed. And says, job well done to a certain percentage, and Doctor wraps the segment in a... Uh, piece of cloth and stuffs it inside an old boot and then puts it in his cabinet. Um, he comes into the console room and Romana is looking through a very old book and he says, what are you doing? So I'm just familiarizing myself with the specifics of this capsule. And he's, this capsule? Why are you calling it a capsule? And she says, well, type 40 was not on the main syllabus, so she didn't study it at school. And she didn't take vintage and veteran vehicles. So they have a little bit of play about the TARDIS being an old machine. And then she says, well, aren't you going to set this? Or aren't you going to adjust that? When he's trying to, to show her how he operates it, because he doesn't go by the book. Um, so he's trying. she's trying to tell him how to land his own TARDIS. Doctor has uh, found that their next segment is located on Califax because it's a dull and boring and icy planet. 
But uh, so he goes to land, and there's a terrible shift in motion, and he bangs his face against the console. Um, and Romana mocks his smooth landing. The uh, captain uh, has, is calling out, yelling for Mr. Fibberly because they had an issue with their landing. Um, said that 10 seconds of space-time continuum was, was ripped apart. And find out or I will have your head or something. I'll have that head off of you. The, um, the landing and flying lesson continues. And uh, Romana says, well, can I try? He says, oh, by the book. She goes, yeah. So Dr. Stands her canine, covers his ears, says, hold on. And she sets all the things that she read in the book, and uh, they materialize just fine. She goes, oh, she's good, good, and I to canine. And then to canine says, well, Michael, I think she'll be all right. She goes, yes, very all right. So they say, oh, let's get a look at this Califrax, cold, icy, no sunshine all day, and then looks up and it's, she says, well, it looks very pleasant to me and the viewer. They see a, like a town square with whitewashed buildings and just everything looks just fine. They look over and K-9 is just circling and circling and circling on the floor. Um, on the planet, um, the monkish group, who we learn are called the Mentiads, are circling around and chanting, the life force is dying, the life force is dying. Inside one of the quarters, there's an old man named Bellaton, his granddaughter, Nula, and a, they are trying to calm a very feverish young man who was the one pointed out in the video called Prelix. And he is feverish and murmuring and, and thrashing about um, Bellaton wants him to be quiet so that um, the guards don't come and take him away um, or the Mentiads um, Nula wants to know well, well why? He says, well don't ask that's a dangerous question don't ask things just don't question I just want a quiet life I don't want to question everything her boyfriend Chemus comes in um Prelix screams out, the life force is dying. Doctor uh, looks at the controls again and says, well, you know, we've arrived at exactly the right place and exactly the right time, but it's the wrong planet. The Mentiads are watching Prelix and his condition. Uh, the Doctor and Romana exit the TARDIS and K-9 comes along and are looking around the doctor tries to uh, accost several locals that are walking around and they just pay him no attention. Um, he tries another group with the same deal and says, I'm not having very good luck, canine. And he says, why don't you let mistress try? So well, that, that takes a skilled thing. It, it takes time and experience and well, why? He says, well, she's prettier than you. Uh, so in the background we see Romana has... Um, walked up to another local and is starting to talk to them. Uh, this man says that 
how there was uh, omens in the sky and the lights were were very spectacular this time and there's this golden age from this the, the generous captain he says here have a ruby and gives her this from his pocket and she's oh here have a jelly baby as the doctor comes and watches and tries to interrupt um, he says well have a nice day watch out for the mentiads goes on his way the doctor asks her where she got the jelly baby she says well your pocket so he admonishes her about says good looks are no substitute for sound character and um, then he asks K9 to take a look at the gems and uh, and he finds they are real the doctor then sees other gemstones and different minerals laying in the street among some gravel and um, says well this is uh, this big lump of glowy green stuff and uh, says oh, that's ubian it's mostly found here and here and on uh, main source was Bandragonus 5 and he says where have I heard that before and where has Califrax got to so <clears throat> Uh, as the local man had walked away, a guard stops him and asks where he got the candies from. He says, over there. And as he looks away, the man starts to walk off. So the guard is on the track. Chemus, meanwhile, is also one to question their life and their generous captain, these new ages of prosperity. The Mentians have seen um, the Doctor and Romana arrive, and they say that it's time for them to act, time for them to seek vengeance for the crimes of death. The Doctor is trying to ask others, uh, locals, about Caifrax, with the same result that he got before. Nobody's listening to him. So in the middle of a square, the Doctor and Romana hear someone cry out, the life force is dead. So the doctor says, wait here, I'll go investigate. Mentiads have started walking across the moors or across the fields. They uh, are saying, well, they must hide Brelix, uh, Belladon and, and Mila. As they're arguing about this and trying to calm him, the doctor leans in and says, Are you sure this planet's meant to be here? The guards come upon Romana, who's using a telescope to look up at some buildings on the mountainside. And he says, um, Death's device is restri restricted? Forbidden. Forbidden. Sorry, forbidden. She says, Why? That is a forbidden question. So he says, um, "You're you're not around. You're you're a stranger here. Where are you from?" And she says, "I came with the, with the doctor." He says, "Don't tell me doctors are forbidden as well." So he puts her under arrest. And as they're walking away, she says, "No, canine, you mustn't." As he goes to follow her, and the guard is not seeing that there's this little doggy device behind her 
he says, what'd you say? He says, and she rephrases it, no canine, you mustn't fetch the doctor. And she says, oh, you're crazy. And he leads her away. The captain is cooing to his mechanical parrot companion. Uh, Mr. Fibbley interrupts him to tell him that the Mentiads have found another rogue telepath in Section 5, and they're on the move. So he dispatches guards to the section to stop them. So we see the Mentiads walking through the fields, and the guards have lined up ahead of them to ambush, and they fire upon them. But the Mentiads have this uh, yellow glow force field that... Um, the bullet, the uh, shots do not harm them. So they say, well, go to Sector 6 now and find the telepath, find him and destroy him. So the guards have now been sent to Prelix's home. The doctor is uh, examining Prelix and they explain to him, you know, well, that they do this often. He says, well, every time the captain announces this new age and of prosperity and Bellaton says, oh, he doesn't want the Mentiads to get him. Kima says, makes a comment about the captain making fools of them. And the doctor is interested in that, but then he, with the mention of the Mentiads, he says, oh, where have I heard that before? The captain is looking at the video monitors of Sector 6, and he sees K-9 on the monitor. The parrot also sees K-9, and he turns his little mechanical head towards the screen. He seems interested in this other mechanical animal. They see K-9 enter a dwelling and says, go and search that house. So the guards come in, um, well, sorry, first K-9 comes into the house and Belladon is, Belladon is uh, afraid of this creature. And the doctor says, oh no, he's okay, he's with me. Uh, the guards come in. K-9 then stuns the guards. Um, uh, Prelix is getting worse and worse and he yells, Mentiads! Kima says that, oh, we, we must stay and, and fight. There'll be more guards coming. We must fight. Belaton and Mula are saying, well, they must hide him so that the Mentiads can't get him. Mentiads arrive. The doctor says, oh, well, you, you must be the Mentiads. And they don't respond to him. They hit him with a, a yellow wave of a blast of some type. Um, and so K-9, in defense of his master, shoots at them. But then they blast the doctor again with a stronger wave, and he grimaces and slides down the wall, and we end. They covered a lot of ground in this one. Yeah, they did. Sorry for the noise, but I had to go to a second page. I haven't had to do that for a while in my notes. Um, which means that it really just means that it's a um, detailed story, I think. Yeah. It had a lot take place. Um, I I think it's very uh, interesting how in this one we go um, very quickly into 
the story of the locals. Uh, we mm -hmm. see, the, I forgot to mention, we see the little bit of the, the city from a distance to um, like whitewashed buildings with rounded roofs and, and arches, archways, and um, very soft, rounded dome type, uh, type buildings of the jab light. <laughs> oh, model city. Wasn't terrible, but you knew it was a model. Right. Um, and then right into the this bridge area, this um, large industrial type room with this um, captain who first we don't see, and I didn't mention in the story at one point, we only hear him and see part of his arm. And then as he turns to give the report to his people that announcing their new golden age, we see that he's actually... Um, not really part part mechanical. He's got a mechanical, uh, like a grid, green grid over his eye and, and some uh, hardware on his face and down one arm. So that is really uh, quite detailed in his costuming. Mm -hmm. um, and we see that, you know, that's like right away you just delve right into this um, situation and it's very detailed in how they look and how they act and he's just he's this big blustery captain and a little mousy assistant Mr. Fibuli yeah we hear Mr. Fibuli yelled a lot <laughs> we also hear what is it the light is dying no the life force is dying life force is dying yes Life force is dying. Enough to be very annoying. Yes. I do think some of the, when the captain gets upset and he'll yell different things, is kind of funny that, you know, he'll, one of them that we hear a few times is, wounds of madness. By the this and this and the, you know, I'll have that skull off you or I'll, Bleach your bones and just this very interesting threats he makes. See, and it almost feels like contrived pirate speak to me. Space pirate? Yeah, exactly. It's like he's trying to yeah. point out that this guy's a pirate. As if we didn't know that already. Well, the bird on his shoulder. Exactly. Really is probably. I think we mentioned before that in case you missed this one was written by Douglas Adams. Oh yeah, we didn't talk is, about it this time. No, but we have said before that he wrote this one and it is, a, um, I think, a fairly good one because of that, I would imagine. You can defi definitely feel the use of some ideas that he would revisit in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. The blustery yet um, sensitive captain of a spaceship. Mm -hmm. We get that again with the Vogon captain who writes poetry. <laughs> For example. Uh, uh, I think that uh, just, just 
start off the uh, with the relationship between Romana and the Doctor is it's a fun difference where she's you know by the book this is how you do it she's read up on it and he's you know the, the experienced one mm-hmm. and this conflict that they have and how they resolve it and she says oh it says right here in the book and he's yeah uh-huh uh-huh looks it reads along absolute rubbish pulls the page right out of the book <laughs> throws it away um and one point she says or he says do you have any idea how many years i've been operating this artist and he goes and she says, 523 years. And he goes, oh, has it been that, really been that long? <laughs> it does make me wonder how she knows that so quickly. Yeah. Because does that mean she's been peeking at his diary, for example? Um, Although that yeah. probably diary in the British sense, not the sense that we use it. Um, I, well, I think that in the first one, she mentioned something about seeing his bio um, data. Uh, and that's when he makes a, pre- makes a comment about um, the president throwing mm. it to the Santarans because he says that's supposed, that's supposed to be confidential. Oh, right. So she does know something about him. She, she, she read up on him or she, she studied him. That she was even willing to be impressed last time. <laughs> uh, but I think it's just funny how, how that it, that happens that they're having this argument about how to fly it and everything. Yeah. And then this um, blip happens that she blames on the doctor not knowing how to fly the TARDIS, and he blames on some environmental anomaly. So she tries, and of course. Captain had a similar problem, and so she tries, and that works. And so she thinks that she's just right because she can do it by the book. So I, I like the um, the way that those things have fallen into place to, to move the story along. Mm. You don't exactly know what's what happened. happened to cause that, but you know there's got to be some connection between them. Yeah. To keep you wondering, and then there's the whole. Mentiad issue and this, the omens and the lights in the sky and these um, gemstones that everybody just has in their pockets because they're so wealthy, and yet there's something you get the, you do get the impression. At this point, anyway, even you know, earlier on in this point that. There's something not so good going on. Right. Because why else would um, Chemus and Pralix and the Mila, the younger people, be questioning anything when um, Bellaton, who just wants just wants to live a quiet life, so don't look too closely at him, at anything. Um, you gotta know something must be happening that. The others want to turn a blind eye to, and the younger people don't. Yeah. And obviously, the Mentiads are a group that are highly affected by whatever's going on. This life force dying uh, issue that they all seem to have. <laughs> oh, did they? I don't know that I heard them talk about it at all. Yeah. Jeez. 
They hardly ever said it. Well, I don't think they say it much more after after they come as they have the prelix. Um, it's not like, you know, Eldrad must live that we hear for the entire thing. <laughs> or the quest is the quest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's quite taking the place of something like that. Um, Anyway, I thought that um, there are a lot of little humorous bits to uh, carry you through as things are happening. Like when they get to the planet and they're trying to make contact with the, the locals and the doctors, well, I should do it. It's, you know, I'm more experienced and it's, you know, the skill and nobody will listen to him. <laughs> it's funny when he, he just stands in front of this group of people and holds up his hand and he's, you know, he's really tall. So, halt! And they just walk right by. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so many levels are, are going on. There's the little humorous thing between them. There's uh, there's the Mendiag, the captain and Fibuli, and um, then there's this little bit of the backstory we hear about. Uh, Mueller's father and Prelix's father being um, killed by the Mentiads. No, they were killed by, he was killed by the guards because Mentiads were going to take him away just like they might be doing with Prelix. So, you know, um, so what happened there, you know? And then there's the whole question about Califrax. Right. Which seems to have gotten a little lost by the end of the episode, but I'm, I know we'll come back to it. Yeah, well, they mentioned the beginning and then at the near the uh, near the end, middle end, middle of the end, I guess. Uh, the doctor's walking around saying, "Has anyone seen Gaivrax?" Again, he's trying to ask the locals, and they're not listening. And how uh, he asks them, "Are you sure this planet's meant to be here?" Before he goes in and examines Prelix and all. No. <laughs> oh, spoiler. <laughs> Answer is no. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it, for wardrobe and stuff, it's interesting too. Um, I think we see it a little bit. Well, definitely in the early Doctor Who's and first and second Doctors, when, the, or maybe just the first, when they're going to a historical period. And they know they're going to the historical period, like the Romans. Um, they dress accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, here, we see Romana, before they landed on the planet, or landed um, where they are, um, she selected her outfit, but her outfit is kind of matching in a way in I guess in theme to what the locals wear they have like long tunic um, more sometimes with the belt that kind of goes down and leggings and what she is wearing are white leggings and like a, a longer pink satiny shirt with a belt so it, it seems like 
her clothing will fit in pretty well mm. already. Um, and I'm a, and and we see more of that. Um, but I think that uh, maybe with Dodo, I think she took some interest in um, what local people were wearing when they were traveling and changed at one point because Sandra she? said something about the um, modern clothes she's wearing she's like well that's what everybody you know wears where, where we are right now and she has kind of a mini dress or something on with a big geometric pattern on it hmm. anyway I think that the, the companions have not always made the uh, made effort to fit in wardrobe wise until you get to Sarah Jane and Leela mm-hmm. they certainly do so at least part part of the time yeah Leela did when they did the talons of Wang China yeah so when they were going to a, a specific others. time period they did so this is not necessarily a historical period but just is kind of trying to fit in I guess Apparently. Apparently. But like I said, with this one, they actually didn't know where they were going first. They found that out after. I mean, she's already yeah, dressed she was for already the day. Dressed, she yeah. already dressed for the day. So she didn't, wasn't able to say, oh yeah, we're going there. And, you know, then you see her change or something like that. Not in this one. I like the way that they fitted everyone, kitted them out in mm. their different ways. The very straight laced techno um, uniform versus the like the long yellow robes of the monks of the Mentiads, that type of thing. Good contrast. Yeah. we haven't already talked about. Okay. It was interesting that the, the parrot notices the dog. You know, the mechanical bird notices the mechanical dog. Well... At least it feels that way to me. It, probably. Apparently... When Canine did his little freak out on the TARDIS, it's supposed to be because of the parrot. That ah. kind of gets lost in the trimming that they did to bring the episode into um, time. Mm-hmm. And the doctor does say, I wonder what's biting him. Because he has like, oh, quite a few little throwaway lines that are a little bit corny, but they still make me laugh. Yeah. When he crashed, you know, kind of crash lands the TARDIS and smacks his slurp on the um, on the console, and he takes his hand at the cover. It says there's something like smooth and smooth landing, huh? It says no, no, fine, fine. <laughs> Blips it off or something. 
Did that feel a little contrived? Um, I know why they did it, but yeah, still. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you can go ahead and say why they did. Well, we talked a couple episodes ago about the fact that he got a sore on his lip because he got bitten by a dog. Now they have the doctor sort of hurt himself to cover up for the problem. Even though we've already seen it for four episodes. Yeah. And they just have something happen in that one. You know, they could have had Sherlock punch him or something, you know. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what it would have been, you know. Could have been anything. Or when he got in the net when they walked into the city of Shire and Rebos operation, you know. When he falls out of the net, you know, he could have hurt his lip or something. Mm-hmm. All he would have had to do was have him put his hand up to his mouth like he'd hurt himself. And then that would have been enough to cover it, like they tried to do here. Right. Which didn't need to happen. <laughs> so. so I guess back to the canine thing and then spinning his up to, to indicate that he's a bird dog. Kind of Maybe. I I wonder if that's what they were going to do with that whole thing. Mm. I, they haven't said that as far as I can tell on the production notes. Mm. It may be they never got that far to figure out why. Mm. You never know. Okay, cliffhanger. Uh, the doctor's been attacked, but it's not really. I wouldn't say he's in danger. No, not in the least. But he's been attacked by the Mentiaz. It appears he's been attacked by the Mentiaz. Yes. Could say that, I guess. Um, and we don't know all that much about him yet so we don't know if they really would be a threat or or what you know yeah so there's that are they a threat are they afraid you know are they will it be sympathetic to or will the doctor be sympathetic to their reasons for coming for being there for for doing this um or is there really going to be another enemy part to the story? Right. So that's really the big question. So it's not too bad. It's fine. We've had a very action-packed, um, full story so far. Yes. So it's almost good to have a not-too-complicated ending. But enough to, to carry on and wonder about the story. Yeah, I guess so. It feels... Uh, I don't want to say unsatisfying, but kind of is. Something you think could have been better? Uh, another part it feels like the ending could have been a little better. Or another part they could have ended on? That's just it. I don't know. I don't know what I was wanting. Out of the episode. 
I remember right away, as soon as we started watching it, where they were probably going to end it. Mm. Considering the movie version. But yeah, that's probably when the Mentiats come in. Either when they come in, or then I thought, oh no, it's when they, when they start to blast the Doctor. Yeah, and I didn't remember the episode that well. To remember. Do you think it would have been better if they would have just said when the doctor's talking and the other people behind it, you know, notice that behind him someone else has come and he turns around and you see the Mentiad standing there and says, oh, you must be the Mentiads. And then stop on the Mentiad face would have been better? I don't know, maybe. Because then it might have been even more ambiguous whether they were really good guys or bad guys. They're just standing there looking kind of menacing. So they, they look unwell. We didn't really talk about it. But yeah. <laughs> they're long yellow and white robes, but their eyes are very sunken and red, and their, I think their mental concentration or something is draining for them because, you know, the life force is dying. Really hadn't hurt. <laughs> um, so they do look a little creepy. It might have been better just to end on them this this new kind of new uh, character are they going to be a threat or not and, but then yeah. you would have started sorry I, I think you're on the right track I think that might have been better yeah but then we would have um, we could have just started right at that and then the next scenes would have been them blasting at the doctor but I still don't think that would have been a bad way to start the episode mm-mm so that that might have been preferable to just leave it at them arriving, and then a good way to get action back into the next episode is um, instead of the well, it'd be a resolution kind of seem like a resolution to the question of are they good or are they bad because then they blast the doctor, so you know you're gonna start with that. Uh, it'll resolve that question at least. True. At the start of the episode, so that would be an interesting way to start. But uh, now we've taken it a couple seconds later, so instead we have to wait and find out: are they really hurting the doctor? What you know, still, what's going to happen? Are they good or bad? But there's an extra, extra question in there. Yeah. I guess we will find out tomorrow when we talk about episode two of The Pirate Planet. So join us then, and thank you for listening.